Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of July 27th through August the 2nd. I hope that you are all doing well out there and enjoying Leo season. Um, it's been a very interesting past week, I think, in the in the collective, and we'll try to unpack some of that as we build this week towards a full moon uh, next week on August the 3rd. So we'll be kind of getting in touch with the head and the heart as we uh, move through the buildup to that opposition of the sun and Leo and the moon in Aquarius. Uh, this week, though, we do start off our week with a very busy Monday on July the 27th. We will see a first quarter moon uh, at four degrees of Scorpio and the sun at four degrees of Leo. So some tension as we build towards that full moon. Uh, Jupiter retrograde will be sextiling Neptune retrograde at 20 degrees of Capricorn and Pisces. Venus will be making a square to retrograde Neptune at 20 degrees of Gemini and Pisces. We'll talk a lot about the fixed stars that Venus is going to be passing over uh, this particular week as well, as the third decan of Gemini is pretty full of important fixed stars and some constellations with some really interesting mythology. So we'll talk a little bit about Bellatrix this week, uh, the fixed star Capella, which is part of the constellation Auriga, uh, the charioteer. Um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, El Nath, which is the, the point of the bowl, but also shares, um, shares some arrangement with Auriga as the heel of Auriga. So it does double duty. Some stars out there do, you know, are, are part of two different constellations. Um, we'll talk about Orion a little bit since Orion is, is prominent in this area of the zodiac. Um, and then we'll move on to some of the fixed stars that are associated with the constellation Cancer, um, which is the part of the sky that we see with the tropical sign of Leo right now. So we'll talk about the, the two donkeys in the sky and the, the manger. Um, so I'll try to contain myself when I describe the, the celestial asses <laughs> in the sky. So, um, back to uh, our summary here. On Monday, the other aspect that's going to be perfecting is Mercury is going to be squaring uh, Mars at 16 degrees of Cancer and Aries respectively. So we might have some, some heating up of our, of our words and of our communications as we move forward through the week. On Thursday, uh, the 30th, Mercury will be moving into the third decan of Cancer. Um, and we'll talk about a little bit the uh, fixed stars that it's going to be conjoining. Um, we've done a little bit of a deep dive into those fixed stars as we saw the sun move through that particular decan, but we'll touch on Castor, Pollux, and potentially Procyon as well. Um, Mercury will, will be making an opposition to Jupiter retrograde at 20 degrees of Cancer and Capricorn on Thursday as well, and it will also be making a trine to Neptune at 20 degrees of Pisces, so an active Mercury day on Thursday. On Saturday the 1st, Mercury will then make an opposition to a retrograde Pluto at 23 degrees of Cancer, conjoining the fixed star of Pollux. Uh, on Sunday the 2nd, this is one of the biggest aspects that we have of the week that's going to color our full moon too. The sun is going to be squaring Uranus uh, at 10 degrees of Leo and Taurus. 
So a volatile, a volatile week full of tension that we're going to be um, experiencing this week as we've been coming off a pretty a volatile week, I would say, as well uh, in, our, in our news cycle. So let's take a look at the chart here. I hope you're all hanging in there. I know that uh, this can be uh, definitely some challenging times we've been experiencing here. Um, I know things have started to escalate a little bit in, uh, in Portland. And um, I would say even in my own neighborhood here, we've been having some, some challenges with people uh, driving by and shooting at um, Black Lives Matter signs in our neighborhood. That's been uh, bringing some, some tension and some, I would say, some um, fear. And um, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a little bit of a crazy time we're living through in this country. And uh, we'll see if we can make sense of it with the astrology, but uh, tensions are rising. You gotta remember that we're uh, living within this, um, we're living within this, uh, uh, the, we're in the middle of this, uh, the Saturn-Mars square too. So I'll, I'll unpack that. I just have to make sure that I, share my screen here so that you can all see what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm recording this a little bit later on Friday evening and uh, it's a uh, it's Sagittarian ascendant hour. It's getting close to dinner time um, but the forecast needs to be done. So again uh, hopefully I will be able to get through it without sticking my foot in my mouth too much today. Um, so we're looking at the chart for the week here, and the sun is going to be moving from 4 to 11 degrees of Leo this week. Uh, it is in its own domicile. Uh, it, it also has rulership by triplicity during the daytime. It is in the terms of Jupiter from 0 to 6 degrees, and then the terms of Venus from 6 to 11 degrees. It will be receiving a trine from Mars and Aries uh, by whole sign. Uh, and then it will have a sextile from Venus in Gemini. Uh, but then, as I said, again, it'll be squaring, eventually perfecting a square to Uranus and Taurus. And Uranus sort of has the upper hand, even though uh, the sun is in its own domicile. So we're, there will be some tension between uh, the, the revolutionary forces that we're experiencing on a material level and potentially the authority and leadership that they may be rebelling against. And we've seen some of those tensions rising in places like Portland. We've seen some things in the news cycle where, uh, especially in America, the, the, um, the Department of, uh, Department of, what is it? The DHS, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on what that actually, Homeland Security, that's what that stands for. I was thinking of health and human services, but the Department of Homeland Security has been sending troops um, without the approval of, of the mayors and governors of these states and cities to, uh, quote unquote, restore law and order. So we're seeing a lot of tension between those governmental forces and some of the protesters in the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, last week, I talked about Pluto opposing the sun and, and those, those same uh, unmarked military figures. Uh, snatching people up in vans and, and bringing them 
into uh, undisclosed locations and things of that nature. And we talked about the symbolism with Pluto along with that. Um, this past week, we've seen kind of like um, uh, the wall of moms and dads in Portland locking arms with, uh, you know, mothers in bike helmets and, and yellow shirts um, and fathers with, uh, I guess you'd call them leaf blowers are blowing gas back at, at the uh, forces of the, of the state. Um, and yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a crazy scene. And again, this is not um, limited to Portland because the, these, uh, these issues have been, um, are potentially coming to an area near you, apparently, um, according to the White House. And um, I think, personally, I'm just trying to figure out how do we, uh, what do we do about all this and how do we live uh, through these times and how do we make sense of it? And um, I guess from my perspective, how do we preserve our, our democracy? But let's unpack the symbols and hopefully we'll find some of those answers together as we move forward. Okay, so that's what's going on with the sun. Sun is in its own domicile. It is its own host. It is very strong. So the, the, the sun has returned, or the king, the solar king, has returned to his throne. So there is a, a strong authoritarian uh, streak right now. There is a strong um, ability to command authority in our lives, in our personal lives as well. Uh, it's a, a great time to get in touch with the heart, as I was saying. As I was trying to process a lot of this um, civil unrest over the past few days, I got to a point where I was um, couldn't really handle it mentally anymore, and I had to kind of go into the heart and look for answers, or maybe not even look for answers, but process the experience in that particular way. And I put on some music. I was listening to um, some Joni Mitchell, Joni Mitchell's Blue Album, which is one of my favorites, uh, and a really uh, a peaceful kind of eye of the hurricane type of experience I experienced when I was listening to that, and then. Uh, that led to lead listening to uh, one of the one of my favorite um, more current singers, Brandy Carlisle, and uh, her performance at the Grammys of a song called "The Joke." Which, man, I tell you what, uh, uh, I was looking at her chart, and sorry for the digression, but she has Mars on the fixed star Algol, and she really has some power in her voice. That every time I hear it, 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 it I, I think it reduces me to tears. I get the I get the chills and the back of my neck I get the hair standing up and I just start weeping <laughs> like she just has such a powerful way about her and that was I think that was a really great cathartic experience and I would say that that would be one thing I would suggest is during Leo season and with the sun in this particular position is how can you get in touch with the heart again how can you process some of the intense feelings maybe not intellectually but through um, through a more spiritual knowing through a more spiritual catharsis Okay, so that's what's going on with the sun. Saturn is retrograde still and is moving backwards from the 28th degree to the 27th degree of Capricorn, where it is still in its domicile. It will be moving through the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees. It is co-present with a bunch of stuff right now. It is co-present with retrograde Jupiter and with retrograde Pluto and Capricorn, so a big mashup of Capricorn planets in the third decan right now, although Jupiter has moved back into the second decan briefly, as we'll talk about. Um, it is making, Saturn is making an overcoming square to Mars and Aries, uh, and also opposing Mercury in Cancer. 
as far as the outer planets go, is making a trine to Uranus in Taurus and a sextile to Neptune in Pisces. Um, again, it's host, it is its own host right now. So Saturn is very strong, even though it is retrograde. Um, we're seeing a lot of Saturnian themes coming up with this area of the zodiac being highlighted. And this is asking us for contraction. This is asking us for um, letting go of old systems, letting go of old hierarchical things that don't serve us anymore. We're seeing forms leave the plane of existence. Uh, so this is something where um, we're going to have to balance that out with some of the more um, urges towards vitality that we may experience with planets and cancer and Leo respectively associated with the sun and the moon, the lights. So we have this, this interplay of light and darkness with Saturn uh, opposing the, the lights in various forms. All right, so Jupiter will be retrograde this week and moving back from 20 degrees to 19 degrees of Capricorn, and it'll be moving back into the second decan of Capricorn. Uh, so we've been talking a lot about the four of pentacles with a figure that is sitting on a throne holding tightly to his pentacles, but we will see Jupiter regressing back into the decan that is associated with the three of pentacles, where we see a number of uh, people conversing and making a very ornate plan. So as we move forward through the week, we may see some attempts at, at bringing about uh, a new consensus, a new plan, potentially like a new, maybe a new stimulus package might get passed over this next week or so as we are moving forward uh, through our, our solar year here. Um, Jupiter is still in its fall though, and this was one of the things that we were examining the first time that we had a, a series of relief packages is Jupiter is trying to bring help, but it is being only being provided resources by Saturn. And it, Jupiter is said to be in its fall in this position. And even though Jupiter may be trying to help, it's coming from a place of materiality. It's coming from a place of potentially uh, helping, but not in maybe the most uh, correct way, or not, not in a way that is connected to our higher selves, but maybe co connected to a more base self. And uh, there was a lot of complaints about the last stimulus package in America, that it was bailing out um, corporations and people that already had enough and not doing enough for the, the common people. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily going to, to change with uh, the second round. Um, so we'll, we'll keep our eyes on that. Um, Jupiter will be in the terms of Venus from 14 to 22 degrees. And as I talked about with Saturn, all of the similar aspects apply. It is co-present with Saturn and Pluto. It'll be making an overcoming square to Mars and Aries, opposite Mercury, and then trining um, Uranus and Taurus and sextiling Neptune in Pisces. And its host for the week is your friend Saturn. Mars will be moving from 15 to 19 degrees of Aries through the second decan of Aries, where it is in its own domicile. Uh, it is in the terms of Mercury from 12 to 20 degrees. It will be receiving the overcoming square from both Saturn, uh, Jupiter, and Pluto in Capricorn. It will be making its own overcoming trine to the Sun in Leo. And it will be also making a sextile to Venus in Gemini. Um, and then the, one of the other big aspects we have for this week is Mars will be perfecting its square to Mercury in Cancer. 
Okay, so we have Mars this week, very strong in its own domicile. It is its own host. Uh, we may have this feeling of wanting to move forward, wanting to take action of, of our anger bubbling up and uh, getting having maybe a short fuse, but yet we are feeling the oppressive power of uh, Saturn in Capricorn right now where we are limited in taking the action that we we want to. We're seeing like, a, I, when I first described this aspect, we kind of have like a, you know, like an empire strikes back type of feeling right now with Saturn, you know, kind of trying to limit the, the, um, the voice of rebellion uh, with Saturn or with Mars being in such a, a very, I would say, um, ambitiously aggressive sign. Um, so that is sort of the the balance point that we're trying to figure out right now is how do we how do we take action uh, and overcome this you know Saturnian oppression we might be feeling this limitation this uh, this structure that we're uh, rallying against um, and again Mars will have the upper hand when it comes to the relationship with Mercury so we may be trying to communicate some of our needs with Mercury and Cancer, uh, but we may be communicating them in a way that is potentially rash, uh, that is motivated by a deep rage that we may be feeling, and we have to be careful of that. We're trying to work this balance between our maturity and letting go of old forms and, and recycling and composting some of the old systems that aren't serving us anymore. The uh, the way that we provide for one another with uh, the planets moving through cancer and how we nurture one another. And then the, the big impetus, the big catalyst for all this is Mars and Aries and kind of like stoking the fires and the flames of this and, and asking us to take action. But um, again, we're kind of, our actions are stuck between these two competing um, needs right now and these two competing forces. All right. So, Venus will be moving from 20 to 26 degrees of Gemini where it is peregrine. That means it doesn't have any essential dignity or it is a wanderer without a home. Uh, it will be in the terms of Mars from 17 to 24 degrees, in the terms of Saturn from 24 to 30 degrees. So Venus is in uh, the third decan now of Gemini, asking us to potentially make a choice. We, may, we were feeling overwhelmed with all of our options with the second decan of Gemini. But now, uh, with Venus being in the Deccan that Austin Coppock calls the Executioner's Sword, um, one of the twins has to die. One of the options has to die, and we need to make a commitment and put our energy into the thing of our choice that we desire. And with uh, Venus moving through um, malefic bounds or malefic um, curriculum setters, uh, it, may be, it may be difficult. We may have some, some challenging feelings that come up when we're having to make the choice. We are going to be tasked with leaving something behind. And uh, Mars is going to be helping to sever with that sextile from Mars in, in Aries. That's the action that Mars likes to do. It's a severing action, a separating quality. Um, we are getting some help from the sun too. We, we have an awareness of what we want with the sun sextiling Venus potentially and who we are and how that helps to uh, create uh, gnosis or knowing from our higher self. Um, but we're also receiving a square this week from Neptune to Venus. 
And that may complicate things a little bit. There may be some confusion. There, there may be a desire to transcend. There may be a desire to escape uh, in our relationships. We may have uh, uh, some unrealistic expectations about what we are moving towards. And that may cause some uh, anxiety as well. Uh, in the talk I gave at the Great Lakes Astrology Conference, I talked about Gemini in, and the theme of Mundi being the 12th house of the cosmos. And in it, we see some of the existential crises that we may go through before the birth or the union of body and soul. So we may be, Venus may be going through this process universally right now as going through the growing pains, the labor pains of trying to reconcile opposites and make, make the choice of a life that we want to live or the Venusian uh, desires that we have, the relationships that we want to pursue and to nurture. And then once Venus moves into Cancer, we might see the union of those of that and the, um, we'll be able to start putting more of our uh, maternal energy towards what we have chosen and towards what we desire. So that's what we've got for Venus. Mercury will be moving from 15 to 26 degrees of Cancer where it has dignity by face in the second decan. Uh, and then it'll be on its own terms from 13 to 19 degrees. So the terms of Mercury. Uh, it will be moving into the terms of Jupiter from 19 to 26 degrees. So we have uh, some dignity for Mercury. Again, it will be receiving that overcoming square from Mars. So we have to really be careful that we choose our words carefully this week. It'll also be receiving that opposition from Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto in Capricorn. So we may be getting frustrated with uh, a lack of movement again, like Mercury also is associated with movement, with flight, with commerce, um, with uh, understanding and knowledge. So we may not be able to do the type of business that we want to do due to some of the limitation of circumstances right now as well. Uh, it will be receiving a sextile from Uranus and Taurus and a trine from Neptune. So those are, uh, it will be having a, a, a more harmonious conversation with the outer planets uh, than the sun is at this point and that Venus is. The host of Mercury this week is the moon. So Mercury is hanging out in the moon's temple. And the moon this week is waxing from its crescent phase to the very end of the gibbous phase. It will be moving through the first quarter square when it moves through Scorpio. So we'll have some kind of uh, physical material crisis as we try to uh, enact the, the growth of the, the, the seed that was planted at the Cancerian new moon last week. And as we build towards our opposition of the sun in Leo to Saturn in Aquarius. So we've got to pass through this kind of Scorpio portal or temple, for lack of a better word, um, and we'll unpack that as we get to Monday. Um, but again, we're going to be seeing the, the moon waxing in its power. And it's going to start out in the sign of Libra, the very final degrees of Libra at the beginning of the week. And then almost immediately Monday, move, move into its fall in the sign of Scorpio. So a difficult placement for the moon. The beginning of the week is going to be a, a point of tension for sure. Um, as we move forward in our week, the moon is going to move into Sagittarius, and where it has dignity in the second face. And then it will move into its exile in Capricorn, where it has rulership by triplicity 
uh, in the evening. So we might have some communal support, but we might be feeling a little bit uncomfortable with the moon in Capricorn. Um, and then finally, we will end up in the sign of Capricorn, I'm sorry, in the sign of Aquarius uh, as we build towards that full moon. And it is Peregrine in that sign of Aquarius. Uh, it will have some dignity as it moves into the third phase of Aquarius, but we aren't going to get there this week. Okay, so let's move forward to Monday the 27th. All right, so what I'm going to do, and we have a really busy day on Monday the 27th. We have a lot of non-lunar aspects, and whenever I see a lot of non-lunar aspects perfecting, uh, we are going to just have a lot of stories that are being told. So let's, let's move uh, to the, put the sun on the ascendant so we can kind of get an overview of our day here. All right. So on Monday the 27th, a number of aspects are going to be perfecting. And we'll unpack them kind of one by one here and then see if we can get the overall feeling of what's going on. So the first thing that we notice that's going to be probably one of the bigger aspects of the week is we have a square between the sun and Leo and the moon in Scorpio. So this is that first quarter moon where, and it will happen at about 8.32 in the morning Eastern time. Uh, and if we break this down with our tarot cards, we have the sun represented by the five of wands where we see figures competing for dominance. And then the moon represented by the five of cups where we see a figure in a black cloak mourning the loss of, the, of three spilled cups with two remaining cups behind him. So potentially uh, finding a path across a river to some sort of destination if the figure were to shift perspective from the mourning of what he has lost to what is still available to him. So I think that this is something we are going to have to consider as we may be feeling like we're competing for resources, we're competing for dominance, we're competing for authority. We may at this point be mourning the loss of some, of some things that we uh, were attached to. And part of the key to this, to unlocking this first quarter moon uh, is to accept what has passed out of being. Uh, and with the moon in Scorpio, this is why the moon is in its fall in Scorpio is the moon is a, is a place of, uh, is a planet associated with forms um, and fertility. And uh, Scorpio is a place where forms are leaving. So the, the, the moon is not as happy uh, with forms leaving rather than bringing forms into being. Saturn's happy but with forms leaving, uh, but with uh, the moon in Mars's temple. And of course, the fall is opposite the place of the moon's exaltation in Taurus, which would seem to be a very fertile place ruled by Venus, right? So we have a, a place of separation. We have a place of um, death. And we need to come to terms with that as we move forward through our week here, if we're going to to uh, be able to come to balance when we the moon ends up in the sign of Saturn, in the sign of Aquarius, okay? 
so we are going to be balancing the needs of the masses with the needs of the select few or with the needs of the king or the desire of the king. Remember, the, the sun is very strong in Leo. The Leo, Leo, the sun is in his throne right now. And we're going to see the moon building towards uh, an awareness of the collective with the moon in Aquarius. Uh, and it's, we're going to go through stages of tension with that. And this may be one of, the, um, one of the peak moments where we are trying to figure out how we're going to balance those two competing desires. And this can happen in our lives too. If I, if I personalize it rather than make it just about the collective. It's hard not to talk about the collective right now because there's, it's seemingly, um, well, there's so much going on that is of great historical importance right now that I feel like it is important to examine what is going on in the collective. And I think that on some level, as we are in quarantine still, or if we're doing more activities at home, we have a little bit less of that personal uh, outer experiences out in the world and we may be t tuned in to the news cycle a little bit more and, and living through that now that's not true for everybody that maybe uh, i may be speaking from my own uh hermetic type of lifestyle because i know that there are plenty of you that are out on the front lines of these things right now uh doing you know heroic work um fighting for justice and um i commend you for that that is really really um that's an incredible thing. Um, and for those of, of you that are not able to do that in person, there's other ways to get involved. Um, I believe that the, the ACLU was an organization that um, passed a temporary injunction on, on these, this use of force by the federal government in Oregon. So donating to places like that is another thing that you can do to um, participate in protecting democracy. Um, and just, you know, spreading awareness and things like that. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't feel too guilty if you're not completely able to be on the front lines of this. And, and th again, this may be trying to assuage my own guilt about not being out on the front lines. But, again, there is uh, many ways to participate in, in the world and in historical change. Uh, so, anyway, um, the notes that I had written down for our personal experience of this is what do you need to let go of to help create the new identity that you're working to to achieve and that is one of the main themes of uh, you know a, a solar leo type of experience too is we're fighting for identity and we may feel uncomfortable in that first decan as we try to figure out what that new identity is this is a saturn ruled decan by chaldean order so there's some uh, confusion. There's some darkness. There's some ignorance associated with who we actually are and what we are trying to create. And that may be part of this tension of this first quarter lunar cycle as well as we may have a little bit of, uh, uh, we may, may be mourning an old identity that isn't serving us anymore. And we have to figure out what is left of the life and of who we are as, as people within this new reality that's being created and how are we going to uh, how are we going to be out in the world? How are we going to act? How are we going to create our own personal sovereignty within some of these challenging circumstances? Um, I know that with the loss of uh, people's employment, their loss of their jobs, the lo loss of their uh, in-person communities, that can feel we can feel a little bit confused as to 
how we create our own personal identities with that. And I think that is a big part of this lunar cycle too, um, is what, who are we when, we're, when everything is stripped away? And I think that that could be um, some of the messaging of the five of cups that we are being asked to reconcile. All right, the next the aspect that we are seeing on the 27th is a sextile with Jupiter and Neptune. Okay, so you can see this here. A harmonious aspect between Jupiter and its uh, and a planet that it is hosting in its nocturnal domicile, okay? Um, so this could be something where we are uh, trying to figure out where we are expanding our authority, our ability to um, administrate some of the structures in our life and potentially running into some difficulty where because Neptune itself is sort of trying to dissolve form, and right now Jupiter is in a place that is expanding material form or attempting to, but is being provided death. <laughs> like I, I know it seems like a contradiction of themes, but uh, that this this aspect could definitely feel like a contradiction where we're seeing expansion of of uh, Saturnian um, resources. Uh, and coming in contact with that third deck in Pisces, Neptune, where we may be motivated to make some intense sacrifices for our belief systems. So I guess what I would caution you with this particular aspect, perfecting, is to really examine your belief systems and make sure that if you are trying to sacrifice for a particular cause, that it is one that is connected to a higher spiritual truth or to a spiritual truth in general and not a material truth because that's the danger with Jupiter in that uh, Capricorn position is we may be basing our belief systems on fear rather than on faith. Uh, and I think that's the danger with this particular aspect is not getting too uh, motivated by our fears to make potentially uh, unnecessary sacrifices or become martyrs. Um, okay, so let's move forward to the next aspect that we are seeing. We've got a lot of aspects going on. Another part of our story is the square between Neptune and Venus. And this may be another point where we are having to be very sober about our relationships, about the choices that we're making, about what we desire and what we are trying to unify, uh, what we um, are lusting after, um, and that could be you know, physically or intellectually as well. Uh, how are we going to reconcile the duality that was presented to us at the last Venus retrograde throughout um, the sign of Gemini and the, the dichotomy that we became aware of in our relationships? And this may be also be a point of confusion. Now, there is a fixed star that uh, Venus will be conjoining fairly closely to, and that is the fixed star Bellatrix. And Bellatrix is part of the constellation Orion, which was the hunter. We talked a little bit about Orion last week. Um, but what I would like to do for a second here is I'm going to, uh, I am going to show you Bellatrix 
and we'll talk about it a little bit in our Starry Night Pro. Okay, so here we're going to find Venus. And here is Venus. And Venus is very close to both the stars of the constellation Taurus and the stars of Orion. And we'll be moving and drawing some energy from the stars of Auriga, the charioteer. So those are the three main constellations we're going to be drawing some mythology from with our Venus story in the week ahead here. So you can see right now that here, here is Bellatrix. And if we project Venus and we project a line out uh, from the ecliptic, this green line here, we're going to see it kind of match up with Bellatrix. Now, this is another star that is part of sort of like a, uh, oh, I don't know, like a twin star kind of experience. And here we see it kind of reflecting um, some meaning with Betelgeuse, the red star in Orion. So we've got Bellatrix and Betelgeuse uh, that are some of the brightest stars in Orion along with Rigel and the heel or Rigel. And I'm not exactly sure how to say all of these, but um, now when we have stars that are real close together like this, a lot of the times what we'll see is one will be associated with light and the other will be associated with darkness or with the, the shadow. And Bellatrix is the, the star in Orion that is more associated with the shadow, whereas Betelgeuse is more associated with success, with the light, with power. Um, so we may be going through a difficult period uh, in relationships where we have to deal with our shadow if we want to make a wise choice uh, if we want to start moving from our more base self to our to wisdom, one of the stories of Orion was that he was a, a sort of a brute who was you know boasting about his his uh, masculine prowess to like and his destructive prowess really that was where he wanted to kill one of every animal he was he had some pride uh, in his his ability to be a destructive force. And you can see that he's doing a great battle with Taurus the bull. But his foot is in this river called the Eurydanus. And this river also, this area was called, was considered a whirlpool as well, where there's just a lot of collective energy circulating. And one of the journeys of Orion, he's sort of like the quintessential fool in the tarot. And let me show you something real quick because we... I guess we talked about this a little bit last week, but it's worth, it bears repeating. We are seeing sort of this energy of the fool where we're stepping off the, the cliff or the precipice into the unknown. And it's the journey of, of uh, innocence and ignorance into one of uh, awareness of spiritual maturity, potentially. Now, one interesting little fact about Orion is that the star in the head of Orion is not very bright. Uh, I believe this is pronounced uh, Mesa. Um, but the, the body is very strong. We have the, the belt. We have the, the shoulders and the arms that are swinging and shielding here. Um, and it's opposite. At the end of this river, now without you know screwing up our orientation here, the end of this river ends up at the opposite of the zodiac in Sagittarius where we find Hercules. 
And Hercules has a very bright star in the head. And Hercules is kneeling. So we can think about this as like potentially youthful hubris and the transition from that into humility and to potentially wisdom with the brightest star in Hercules being about, uh, you know, being in the head. Um, so we're moving from this bodily uh, exuberance to this mental or spiritual wisdom. And that, that's the journey. That may be the journey that we're seeing through Venus right now, where we're getting in touch with our base desires, with this um, movement through the constellation Orion, coming in face-to-face with our shadow, and hopefully learning how to transition from some of those base, more, I don't know, animalistic urges to uh, one of refinement. So that may be something to consider as we go through our Venus story this week. So just be careful of shadow things coming up, especially with a square to, to uh, Neptune. Um, we may be um, trying to make a choice, but it may be based on some of these more darker sides of ourselves. We have to really come to terms with our shadow if we want to make a, a wise decision. If we're only making relationship decisions based on um, these maybe more immature desires and more fantasies, right? We don't want to get caught in the, the dissolving illusion of Neptune where we, where we think maybe the grass is always greener on the other side. That could be a danger of this too, is a combination of acting from our shadow side and of our youthful idealism may be causing some problems as well. So this aspect will perfect at 1.47 p.m. on Monday the 27th. And uh, we will go back to our, our chart here. And the last uh, aspect that we're seeing that is non-lunar is the square between Mercury and Mars at about 16 degrees of Cancer and Aries. So again, this is a square. So in addition to all of these questions that we have, these Venus questions, these uh, solar lunar questions. Um, we're having a difficult conversation with Mercury and Mars right now, with Hermes and Ares, with the messenger god, with the communicator, with the god of commerce and the god of war. So we may be forcefully stating our opinions. We may be having some arguments that are, you know, leading to some of these questions and potentially some of these separations and that maybe the death of. Uh, a, a, some part of our relationship as well. Remember, the third decan of Gemini was associated with the Ten of Swords, where we see a figure that is, you know, has suffered a defeat, and and this is also associated with the story of the twins, where one twin had to die or give up part of his immortality so that the other could live, and they made it a bargain. They made an agreement where half the year the twins would uh, spend on with the gods of Olympus, um, and half the year they would spend in the underworld. So there may be some kind of uh, agreement or compromise that you have to come to as well that is important where you're giving something up. And again, with the, the square, with the sun and the moon, don't get too fixated on what you may have to give up because there is still something that remains. So I, I would say too, in our personal relationships, um, if you've been having difficulty in a particular relationship, 
if you still value that relationship, that a part of it may have to change. Part of it may have to die. And, and death is just a change, right? Um, but, but try to think about what, what remains. What is good that, that is still, still there? What, what can you reconcile with someone that you disagree with? And I would caution you to really measure your words very carefully because Mars is in the overcoming position to Mercury. And Mars is going to heat and speed everything up. And we, even if we are trying to express what we need in our relationships with Mercury in that second decan of Cancer, uh, the way that we say it and the way that we express those needs may lead to conflict. So if we are trying to express ourselves in a mature way, I would suggest to taking a few deep breaths, really getting in touch with what you are trying to achieve and uh, trying to communicate that in the most mature way possible. Okay, uh, we only have one lunar aspect uh, beyond the square uh, to the sun, and that is an opposition between the sun, I'm sorry, the moon in Scorpio and Uranus in Taurus. So eventually, after we move past this uh, square with the sun, we are going to be seeing this opposition with Uranus. So whatever conversations that we may be experiencing, uh, it could lead to some, some, some surprises, some unexpected events, potentially some unexpected uh, severings or separations, some unexpected obstacles that, that come up in our path. Um, so again, be, being aware that that is something that we uh, will be seeing in the sky as well. Around 6.04 p.m. is the opposition, uh, something that is unexpected, a wild card perhaps, uh, with all of these particular um, aspects happening. Now remember too, Mercury is going to be very close to the fixed star Canopus, which was at 15 degrees of Cancer. So we may be wanting to lead the way or navigate, or we may have a very... Uh, um, we may have a very severe desire to direct the conversation. Remember, Canopus was the navigator of the Argo, and, and uh, this star was associated with having very strong opinions about where we're going in life. And Mars was is very close to the fixed star Alpharetz, which is the uh, dual star of Andromeda and Pegasus, where we may be vacillating between the damsel and distress type of energy of Andromeda and the uh, flight energy of Pegasus, where we're moving a little bit too quickly and a little bit too rashly. So those, uh, those stories may be present in our, in our narrative of Monday. All right. So let me clear my drawings, and we will go to move forward to Tuesday, July the 28th. So on Tuesday, July the 28th, the moon will still be moving through the sign of Scorpio. We will see a trine from the moon to Mercury at 5.04 a.m. at 17 degrees of Scorpio and Cancer. The moon will sextile Jupiter retrograde at 11.07 a.m. Eastern time uh, at 20 degrees of Scorpio and Capricorn. It will then sextile Neptune uh, at 20 degrees of Pisces and it will sextile Pluto retrograde at 4.05 p.m. at 23 degrees. So after all of the tension of Monday, we have a series of harmonious aspects 
between that Scorpio moon and Cancer and Capricorn and Pisces planets, respectively. So this may be a time where we're feeling some relief from all that tension and all that buildup, where we still might not be enjoying uh, the process of letting go, but we may have come to terms with it. You know, we, maybe we have the blowout and we come to the acceptance that we need to have to move forward with our life. Uh, the other thing that we'll be seeing as we move forward onto on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday here is that Venus will be moving um, off of that fixed star Bellatrix at about 20 to 21 degrees, and it will be moving more in alignment with the fixed star Capella, which is part of the constellation Auriga, the charioteer. So I showed you that over here. We go back to our star map. We can see Auriga here, very close to alignment in the ecliptic uh, with Orion. And one of the fixed stars in Auriga uh, is Elnath, which it shares with Taurus. It is the tip of the horn in Taurus, and it is also sort of like the foot of Auriga. Now, in this particular representation, Auriga, the charioteer, has like a snake body. There was some associations with uh, his legs not being uh, useful or or being lame or have like an having like an injury. So there could be some associations with like uh, leg injuries with this particular area of the zodiac. Um, but the brightest star that we're looking at here with Cap is Capella, and Capella uh, is very close to the the little goat that Capella or that Ariga is holding. Now there are some earlier stories in in Egyptian lore where this this uh, constellation was associated with a goddess. Um, the Greeks tended to masculinize a lot of these constellations, and this is something that I'm still working through is uh, learning the different um, the different cultural associations with the constellations because they are many and i i would like to get a a, a solid understanding of the greek uh, interpretations first so that i'm not confusing myself completely uh, and and know the sky very well because a lot of the astronomical programs will use the greek constellation names and whatnot um, but it i do think it is important to point out that we had uh, indigenous uh, myths that were associated with these placements. We had Egyptian myths. We had Mesopotamian myths. Um, that we had uh, Asian myths and Chinese myths. Um, and and I do think it's important to recognize and acknowledge those those stories and not um, ignore them as well. So we can think about this as the let's think about it from the Greek perspective first, and then maybe realize that this may have been transformed from goddess energy into, again, another masculine type of uh, constellation. Now, one of the things that we see here is that Ariga was a charioteer, and he's holding like a whip or a goad. You can see that here in his hand. And he's also holding these goat kids. And if we think about it from the goddess perspective, this could be they were this, these could be uh, the breasts of the goddess that were nurturing these uh, these babies or these goats. But these goats were said to be uh, associated with 
uh, with Zeus and like, I don't remember the exact story with it, but there was a story where uh, these, there were these um, goat kids that were, oh man, I'm going to butcher it if I even try. Uh, check out Bernadette Brady's, uh, you know, chapter on Riga to get that full story. But there was a reason why those goat kids were were a part of the the charioteer story here. Um, but let's just talk about the charioteer in in general. Uh, what is a charioteer? What is a chariot? It's it's a vehicle that moves us through the sky or through uh, or across the earth. Uh, and this particular placement. Capella, the brightest star, was associated with uh, speed, with flight, um, with the dual needs, if we bring that goddess story in it, with flight and domestication. So as we move forward with Venus conjoining this placement, we may feel uh, these competing needs, this, these dual needs of, of freedom and of security. And this may be part of the things that we're going to have to reconcile as Venus continues to move through the sign of the twins, um, where we're, we have these competing needs. And you may have to make some sacrifices in one area uh, to, to allow the other thing to live. Some, and this is a, an age-old story, too. A lot of times we are focused on our careers and our home life suffers. Or we, we have responsibilities in the home, raising children or something like that, and it's very more difficult to, to do the career stuff that we wanna do. Um, and I will say from my own experience being a parent and, and trying to do different various careers over time is that there will be times where one will take more energy than the other. And just because you're devoting your attention at that particular time to something, does not mean that it always has to be that way. So if your family needs you more and you have to give up some professional opportunities, it's okay to do that in the moment. And there will be a time to pursue those professional opportunities later. And then sometimes you have to tell your family, hey, I, gotta, I really need to do this to, to provide for, for our family or to do what we need to do. And there's some professional opportunities where you're like, yes, this, this really is important. And I won't be able to spend as much time domestically as I want to, or I, you have to tell your family, hey, I need this space to work. And that is a, that's equally important as we find ourselves uh, increasingly blending our home environments and our work environments. That may be part of what this conflict is over as well, is um, how do we get work done when we are in our homes? Uh, this, this question is going to come up as we uh, try to figure out how we're going to um, deal with um, schooling in the fall. We're getting very close to kids going back to school or needing to go back to school or if it, the questions of if it's safe for them to go back to school. And a lot of parents out there dealing with, uh, you know, school was a, you know, for, for lack of a better term, it was free babysitting for a lot of people that uh, were trying to go to their jobs and things as well. So figuring out how to deal with your kids and do your job at the same time, I think maybe something that we're really trying to reconcile as Venus continues to move through these, these particular, um, this particular area of the zodiac. Now, with associated with flight, um, so Bernadette Brady uh, talks about a couple different figures to, to illustrate that, one was Amelia Earhart, who had, uh, I believe she had Venus uh, in a prominent relationship with 
uh, Capella. And, you know, she was known for making cross-continental flights um, and, you know, being, uh, trying to be a nurturing figure, a feminine figure who was uh, exploring new places and reaching new heights. Um, she describes Superman and the, like the, I guess the birth of the Superman uh, uh, comic book character as having a relationship with Mars and Capella. You could see that he literally flies across the sky, but also is dealing with um, questions of his origins and, and how he was nurtured as a child and his whole story of being displaced from his, his home planet and having an adopted family and all the, the issues that went along with that. Um, she talked about John Glenn and uh, one of the uh, an astronaut that that did space explorations and each one of these has kind of a a chariot that they are they are guiding even if it's their own body in Superman's case right um, so prominent vehicles speed are are themes that we could see all right let's move back back to our chart here and and past our Auriga type of stuff. Uh, and let's move forward to Wednesday, July the 29th. So on Wednesday, July the 29th, the moon will be making a sextile to Saturn retrograde at very early in the morning. So we may feel this through Tuesday as well uh, at 28 degrees of Scorpio and Capricorn. And then we may get some relief from all that Scorpio moon heaviness from the brooding that we may be going through at the beginning of the week when the moon moves into Sagittarius at about 3.24 a.m. And then it will be making a trine to the sun at seven degrees of Leo. Now, one of the things I want to talk about with uh, this particular area of the zodiac, seven between seven and nine degrees of Leo, um, was an association with a couple fixed stars in the constellation of Cancer. Now, remember, one of the things that we are we have to remember is that these particular because we are using the tropical zodiac, which is an equal division of the 360-degree wheel, okay? Uh, and because of the concept of precession, the constellations that were originally, that originally helped to name the signs do not line up exactly with their namesakes anymore. So this area of the zodiac right here of the ecliptic is actually the sign of tropical Leo now. And when we get over here, we will have tropical Virgo. Okay. Now, those of you who practice Jyotisha or Vedic astrology and use the sidereal zodiac, you'll ask me, why don't you use the sidereal zodiac? And or, or you know, some of you on the more extreme end of it, well, why don't you use a constellational zodiac? And uh, to that answer, I will say, um, I mean, the first, the simplest answer is this is the system that uh, is associated with what I've been trained in with Hellenistic astrology. But the more complicated answer is that we're not just drawing meaning from the constellations, although that is helpful. I think what I've been trying to do lately is blend some of the meaning of the fixed stars that are prominent within these areas of the zodiac and the, the sign meanings themselves. But a lot of the meanings from the signs come from the relationship of the sun's path across the ecliptic and its relationship with the celestial 
equator. So the, the interplay of light and darkness, the, the height of the powers of the sun and the, the depths of it at the winter solstice, the return of the light, the, the darkening of the light, all of those contribute to the meanings of the signs themselves. Now, there's, there's a, um, there was a really great quote in my Hamlet's Mill book that I've been exploring that was talking about the importance of the fixed stars. And I don't have it handy here. I wish I did. Uh, but in ancient astrology, the, the sphere of the fixed stars was thought to be more closer to the divine and had an enormous amount of power, maybe potentially even more power than the planets on the ecliptic. So we can't dismiss the power of these fixed stars. Now, the challenge comes in trying to blend the sign significations and the fixed star meanings together, because a lot of the fixed star meanings come from the original constellations. So again, we're doing this kind of uh, astrological blending here that, that sometimes can make it confusing. Now, what I wanted to show you is that when we are examining Leo fixed stars, tropical Leo fixed stars, what we are doing is actually looking at some of the fixed stars in the constellation of Cancer, of the constellational Cancer. And there are two that are, we're going to discuss this week because the sun's going to be making a conjunction with them. Uh, and if we move forward to what day that we're exploring here, which is the 29th, you can see that the, the sun is starting to make contact with Acelius or Acellus Borealis. Okay, This is the northern ass or the northern donkey. And this area of the zodiac here, or this area of this constellation was called the manger. Okay, so there is a, a fixed star uh, in here um, called uh, Praesipi, which is the manger or the crib. Okay, and I don't know exactly where it is. So you'll have to trust me. We've got Acubins here. We'll talk about that next week as the sun conjoins it. And then we have... Acelius australis, which is the southern ass, and we have Acelius borealis, the northern ass. And these were the donkeys that were associated with, uh, that were accompanying um, the manger. So in, in the Greek tradition, they had a story about Dionysus um, being driven mad by the heat of the sun, and he was helped across this marsh by two donkeys or two asses. And he, uh, was so grateful to these, these, uh, these animals that he placed them in the sky as part of this constellation. Um, and I'm, you know, this is a, another instance where we have two stars that are uh, creating a, more of a positive signification and one that is more negative. So we're going to start out at seven degrees of Leo with one that is a little bit more positive. The uh, northern star, the, the Acellus Borealis at seven degrees of Leo is more protective and hospitable. So we may uh, have some associations with that uh, that are a little bit easier to deal with. But as we move forward into, you know, when we have the sun that is conjoined, uh, the southern star here, the southern ass, we may have more difficult uh, challenges. 
this this particular star that we will see as a conjunction on July the 31st um, is associated with unfair accusations, the sensitivity to criticism with disgrace, with burns and fevers. So be a little bit more careful as we move forward uh, from Thursday to Friday, as we may see this transition from this more hospitable area to one that is a little bit more volatile. And that does align with also with our square to Uranus. So things could get pretty spicy with this fixed star uh, and Uranus making a square, which is very unexpected events as well. Okay, so that's what I've got for that. Let's go back to our chart here. And we're gonna move forward to Thursday, the 30th, all right? So on Thursday, July the 30th, the moon will be moving in the sign of Sagittarius. Sorry, I had to fix my notes. Okay, so on Thursday the 30th, uh, the moon will be moving through the sign of Sagittarius. Um, we will see a trine from the moon to Mars at 17 degrees of Sagittarius and Aries at 10 o'clock in the morning, Eastern time. Then the moon will square Neptune at 3.20 p.m. at 20 degrees. And then it will make an opposition to Venus at 8.07 p.m. at 23 degrees of uh, Sagittarius and of Gemini. Um, we have a couple non-lunar aspects of this day as well. Now, remember I was talking to you about the kind of um, the challenges associated with Orion's journey to wisdom. So now we're going to see the moon on Thursday moving through the area of, of the zodiac that is associated with those stars of Hercules and of Ophiuchus, the, the healer. So we have uh, at 16 degrees or so of, of Sagittarius, we have that star that is associated with the head of Orion. I'm sorry, the head of Hercules. Okay, so we, we may be at this point starting to move towards wisdom and having to balance out some of those more desires for freedom, those base more, potentially that are base, based in more immaturity and, and use our, our rational, um, wise selves, our, our ability to be humble. Um, Hercules was called the kneeler. Uh, you can see that, that in the uh, in the sky story here, if I move forward to that particular time frame, if we get Hercules here on the uh, on the ascendant, okay, we can see that he's in this kneeling position. There we go. So there's Ophiuchus, the snake handler, uh, associated with Asclepius, the healer. And then here we have uh, Hercules, who is on one knee. And you can see he echoes, his, his sky story here echoes uh, Orion the Hunter. And he's holding, um, I believe these are like fig leaves or figs or some, something of that nature. He's holding a vegetable. So there was also this like association with like Orion being the hunter and this like meat eating and this transition potentially to some kind of domesticated um, ag agricultural type of uh, experience. 
And that, that talks about taming, that talks about domestication. So this is, this is where we may be starting to, to see the domestication energy. And here we have the brightest star, uh, Ras Al-Gethi, okay? And that, I believe that star is at the end of Sagittarius or so. And one of the other ones we were looking at was in Ophiuchus. I don't want to spend all day on that. But recognize that just on, on Thursday the 30th, we may be asking ourselves these questions of like, how do we move towards a more um, domestic type of uh, wisdom, a more tame taming of our more base natures as we see that opposition with, with Venus at 23 degrees of Sagittarius and of um, Gemini. One little interesting side note, just to give you some more context with the kneeler. Um, the one of the most prominent kneelers that we have in our collective narrative right now is Colin Kaepernick, the quarterback that uh, for the formerly of the San Francisco 49ers, who has uh, his Saturn conjoining uh, the fixed stars in the constellation of Hercules. And he is kneeling for a cause, right? He, that he was, if you don't know his story, he was, one of the, he was the, one of the first, if not the first person to take a knee during the national anthem to protest uh, the unfair treatment of um, people of color by, the, uh, by either America or the police. Or, and we've seen this kind of come to a head with Black Lives Matter movement and things of that nature. And just an interesting side note of how far we have come since when he started doing that. I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was a number of years ago. It was when uh, Saturn was in Sagittarius. So at least three or four years ago now, I would say, uh, is at the beginning of the first baseball game of the season, every single person uh, on the, I believe, the Washington Nationals and the New York Yankees had taken a knee. And this is something where we see not only do we see them taking a knee, but we see uh, Black Lives Matter on the court, NBA courts of the, the bubble where they're starting and emblazoned on the fields. Um, I'm sure that there will be something on the NFL fields as well. So we've gone from this like complete like rejection of him where he was basically ostracized and was uh, for his for standing up, well, for, for kneeling for his beliefs. Um, and of humbling himself, I guess you could say as well. And he, he was a real trailblazer in that, in that regard. And he was blacklisted from, from the NFL. And I guess it'll be real interesting to see what happens this season if he gets a job again, um, as we are moving more towards an acceptance of this and realizing that it is an issue that's, that we have to deal with as a collective. Um, so I thought that was really some interesting symbolism to unpack there. Uh, the big events that we are seeing beyond those lunar oppositions to uh, Venus is Mercury is going to play prominently in our story on Thursday with an opposition to Jupiter retrograde at 10.17 a.m. at 20 degrees of Cancer and Capricorn, respectively. And it is also going to be receiving a trine from Neptune. So here we see 
in our chart. Cancer at 20 degrees, making a trine to Neptune and making an opposition to Jupiter. Okay, so we are again seeing Mercury conjoining a prominent fixed star in the sky. Whoops. Yeah, I don't know why that got so crazy, but my drawing didn't want to cooperate. Um, and that fixed star is part of the constellation of Gemini. Remember, we explained that they're not matching up, but uh, this is 20 degrees is right around where we have the, the fixed star Castor. And Castor is another uh, part of a set of two that we describe where we have one light, light one and one dark one, or one right side and one left side. You could also think of it in that way. They were thought about the, uh, the stars on the uh, rows uh, on the right side as being a little bit more auspicious than the ones on the left from our perspective. And Castor was the mortal twin. Castor was the, the one who looks on the bright side and was the storyteller. He was the horseman. Um, but again, anytime we have something on one of these fixed stars that is associated with duality, we have to think about polarity and light and dark and those themes that are coming up. Now with this opposition to Jupiter in, uh, in Capricorn, remember we had that story of one twin has to, has to give something up so that the other can live. Uh, we may be asking ourselves a lot of questions about how we are going to use the resources that we have and the excess of the, that we may have and how are we going to distribute that? How are we going to give that out to the out to the world? This may be a time where we see some voting or some or potentially some arguments about like stimulus packages and things of that nature. And again, Jupiter is in a place of of corruption right now. It's in a place of its fall. So there may be the gifts that are given, but to the to the established hierarchy again. There may be more, more bailouts for corporations and things like that, or the money may not be going to where it is intended to be going. So keep your eyes out for that. Um, the other thing to think about is with Mercury and, and Jupiter making an opposition, this could lead us to a little bit of a grandiosity or overextending ourselves. We could have some uh, mental pride or arrogance. Uh, we could be overstating our needs as well. Um, any, as I've talked about over the course of this spring and summer, especially as we move through cancer season and into Leo season, um, the Capricorn stuff isn't really going anywhere anytime soon. The predominant societal theme is one of contraction. And as we see the faster moving planets like Mercury and Venus and all of these moving into the uh, sign of cancer and Leo and all of that, um, we still have to realize that our impulses, our personal impulses towards growth are really going to have to be weighed against all of this contraction energy. So we may be wanting to do something, expand something and nurture something, but we can't really do it the way that it would normally function. It's, it's getting this kind of like cosmic no or limitation by all of the Saturn, Saturnine Capricorn place planets. So this may be another uh, instance where you need to um, let some, let maybe let go of what how things normally look and work within the circumstances that you have right now and come to terms with the reality of it. It's not fun coming to terms with reality. That's it's part of Saturn's thing, you know, is doing the stuff we have to do but we don't want to. 
it also may be coming into contact with some ignorance, right? Uh, it, remember, it was that black hole energy. It's sucking, sucking forms into the, you know, out of being. So, you know, be careful that you're not taking action based on um, some not, not knowing all the pieces of the puzzle as well. Now, with Neptune being part of this conversation, uh, again, we have to be careful that we're not uh, taking actions and maybe building things like a new business, uh, for example, with Mercury being involved and Mercury being associated with commerce, based on unreal, unrealistic expectations as well. We may be so willing to sacrifice everything with Neptune in this third decan of Pisces, uh, but we may be sacrificing it based on erroneous beliefs with, with a fallen Jupiter, based not being ba realistic about what our circumstances actually are. And I think it's, you have to be really careful about that this week with Mercury and Neptune making that trine also. That third decan of Pisces was sort of like the holy crusader. It was a Mars ruled decan where we said, I'm going to sacrifice for every, by any means necessary. Um, and you may leave yourself with a, a sense of, you know, sometimes some holy wars turn out okay and some are, are abject disasters, you know, where you find you, you've lost everything because of following this, you know, belief that, that really wasn't rooted in anything real. There are great defeats associated with this decan as well as, you know, magical victories. So you have to kind of figure out which direction things are trending when you're making your decisions. Okay. Uh, on Friday, the 31st, move forward. On Friday, July 31st, the moon is moving into Capricorn uh, at 7.58 a.m. and moving into its gibbous phase. So it's out of that first quarter tension and going into the refinement phase before we have the full flowering at the full moon. Now, the interesting thing about Friday is we don't have any uh, exact aspects that are going to be perfecting. Uh, the moon does move over the south node, so that's another uh, thing about wrapping something up from the past. Um, but yeah, as we move into the moon, moving into its fall, or I'm sorry, its exile in Capricorn, um, we may be seeing another instance, just like when we had the moon in Scorpio, where uh, the moon is in a malefic place, okay, one where we're, it's uncomfortable, where we want to create growth, but we're in a temple that is associated with contraction and or death. Okay, so let's move forward to Saturday, because there's, like I said, there's no, there's no perfected aspects on Friday. So on Saturday, August the 1st, we're beginning August with the moon in Capricorn. Uh, the moon will make a trine to Uranus at 2.55 a.m. at 10 degrees of Capricorn and Taurus, respectively. Um, it will then make a square to Mars at 5.22 p.m. from 18 degrees of Capricorn to 18 degrees of Aries, and then go through another series of aspects where it is conjoining Jupiter um, at 7.57 p.m., and then sextiling Neptune at 8.54 p.m. Okay, and the, the non-lunar aspect of the day is Mercury making an opposition to Pluto. So we've seen this kind of thing play out with other planets moving through Cancer recently, where it will, it will hit one and then it'll hit another one since we've got this big stack up here. And in the order of operations, we're going to hit Jupiter first, then we hit Pluto, and then we hit uh, Saturn. Okay, so we're going to be seeing um, 
I would say as the positions have changed, we have a different order. Um, before we were getting the, the limitations, then we had to deal with the fallout or the things bubbling up from the surface, or then we had to you know, figure out how we were going to expand within those limitations. Now the order happens with Jupiter first, then Pluto, then Saturn. So this may be experienced as like, we want to create some kind of expansion. We, we want to uh, deal with our belief systems first. When we get an opposition to those beliefs, it brings up some of the, the plut plutonic depths, uh, the, the difficult feelings that, that are coming up, the, the, maybe the abuses of power also. And then that leads to feelings of restriction and of limitation with Saturn and with a need to, um, or some, potentially even some confusion or some agnoia, some ignorance that may come up beyond it. It may destabilize us on some level as well, or cause us to uh, come or force us to come to terms with um, contraction. Now, I, Matthew Kinney's talk on Saturn really gave me some interesting ways of thinking about Saturn. And one of the main things that I came that really has been on my mind about Saturn now is Saturn isn't necessarily building and structured and all, all of these things at first. I think what Saturn does is because we come face to face with our darkness and we come face to face with something that where our ignorance gets pointed out to us and we get this confusion, this almost Neptunian confusion. There are some arguments that my astrology teacher Atuta Baba has made that Neptune is more akin to Saturn. And, and, and if we looked at Saturn's significations, before we had the planet Neptune or had the awareness of it, a lot of those significations went to Saturn. Um, because of that agnoia, because of that ananke, the necessity that comes up from that ignorance, then we have some hard work to do to deal with it. We, we have this presented to us, and then we have to kind of like, you know, almost repair the pieces that were broken down by Saturn. So it's almost like a cause and effect thing, I think, there. Um, so when we go through our Saturn returns, we get shown all the things that aren't working. You know, we get shown all of the pieces of our youth that, uh, <laughs> that, that quite frankly, may have been born out of ignorance. And as we transition to wisdom, we can either continue on with that ignorance at our Saturn return and suffer because Saturn is a punisher. If we continue on in, in that ignorance, in that darkness, we will feel the repercussions of that strongly. Or we can decide to mature through our gnosis, through our, I would say, through its opposition, through our solar light, through our wisdom that we may eventually gain to, and create change. So again, we have this interplay of light, light and dark, and Saturn points those things out to us. And I think that we use the power of our soul, the power of our wisdom to make those changes. And, and we could see Saturn as, as, oh, the quality of discipline and whatnot. But, but I think really what Saturn is doing is pointing out our failings. And we as spirit souls get to choose whether we're going to make those hard, difficult changes or whether we're going to continue on in ignorance. And that, that to me is, the, I think, a little bit more nuanced understanding of Saturn. Um, and 
I will add one final piece to that mix is that uh, Saturn was associated with the quality of Nemesis. And Nemesis was directly opposed to 2K. 2K being the distribution of fate that is more random. Nemesis being a correction and a stabilization of that. So Saturn comes along and, and is trying to uh, stabilize some of the random uh, events that we may have been experiencing through 2K. And yeah, that's uh, that is a concept that I that was fleshed out a little bit more for me in Dorian Greenbaum's talk about the diamonds, um, that I highly recommend if you get a chance to to see those through the Sophia Center and the University of Wales. I believe you can probably still get your hands on those, even though she has done all three of those talks. I bet you could reach out to them and still get recordings if if uh, you want to um, experience those. You'll <laughs> you'll hear you'll hear me asking a lot of questions <laughs> because that is um, that is how I roll. I am not afraid to ask questions, and I have a lot of them, almost too many. So eventually, you'll hear Spencer's asked a lot of questions right now. We're going to take some questions from somebody else, <laughs> which I'm totally fine with. Um, I know that I have I have an enthusiastic um, mind when it comes to these things and. It's, it's coming more just from, I'm just, I'm just very, very curious. And I, I have a lot of mercurial type questions with, you know, Venus sitting right on Rigel in my chart. And um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not consciously trying to dominate the conversation. I just, I just, you know, I, I it's fun. <laughs> it's really fun for me to ask these brilliant minds and get clarity because I, I, that is something that I, I desire quite a bit is clarity and and when i'm studying these things new questions keep popping up and it, it really gnaws at me and having uh, an expert answer those questions is is just a relief you know I, I feel a sense of relief when when i ask a question and i get a good answer it's more it's more like this uh this ah finally you know kind of thing um so anyway <laughs> you'll, 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 maybe you'll, you'll hear that if you download those. Um, okay. So with this opposition from Mercury to Pluto, this is going to be, this is the point of that phase where we're dredging up all the stuff from the underworld. And Mercury is going to be conjoining the fixed star Pollux, which is the dark twin. So this, this opposition may be, may be challenging. We may really have to get in touch with our shadow sides here. Um, remember, Pollux was the boxer, so there's some, some violence associated with this fixed star. Uh, there is some sacrifice associated with this fixed star because Pollux was the twin that gave up his immortality so that Castor could live. He was the immortal twin. Um, so we're having this conversation with Hades and, and Hermes right now, and they're in opposition with one another. So imagine you have Hades, the lord of the underworld, and you've got Hermes, who was a, the psychopomp that was going back and forth between the Olympus and the underworld and the world of men and, and of forms. Uh, and, you know, they're having a little bit of a dispute right now. Maybe Hades was like, I want these souls. And Hermes is like, well, I don't think that's fair. <laughs> like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to have my own agenda. And uh, yeah, so 
we may be having some really difficult conversations that are based on our dark sides uh, during Saturday um, the, the first. We may also see some repetition of those, those Plutonian themes that we saw when the sun was at this opposition point uh, about a week ago, when, you know, when we saw people that were being kidnapped by shady forces. So we, we may see some repetitions of those, those themes come up but in a slightly different form with Mercury being the opposer rather than the sun. Um, so this may be where we're having um, conversations that are more akin to that darkness and potentially things with our, the way that we express ourselves rather than with, with authority figures in general. All right, let's move forward to Sunday, August the 2nd. Uh, the moon will be in Capricorn moving into the sign of Aquarius at 2.10 p.m. in the gibbous phase. The moon will enter the bond at 25 degrees of Capricorn, which happens around 6 a.m. And remember, the bond was like a, a, a within 15 degrees of either an opposition or a conjunction with the sun on either side of the sun. This was a weakened position for the sun. This is when the sun's going into the furnace, uh, getting its new divine assignment, uh, or where it's like getting ready to like bloom you know, where it's like almost like the flower is consolidating its energy, getting ready to reveal what, what it's been working on through the entire lunar cycle. Okay, so pay attention to what happens when the moon goes into the, into the bond and what happens when the moon escapes the bond because those two uh, things were very important to ancient astrologers as conditions of phasis or omens that were speaking just a little bit louder. On Sunday the 2nd, the moon is going to be conjoining Pluto at 1.57 a.m. at 23 degrees of Capricorn. It will then oppose Mercury at 4.52 a.m. and then conjoin Saturn at 9.59 a.m. Then the moon will move into uh, Aquarius at 2.10 p.m. And throughout the day, we will be experiencing the non-lunar aspect of the sun squaring the outer planet, Uranus. Oh boy. Squares being the nature of Mars, this is a pretty volatile aspect. Um, this is something where we're, something unexpected may be going down, uh, some bombastic event, potentially some Promethean type of event where, uh, remember Prometheus was the one who stole fire from the gods and gave it to humanity, but was punished for it. So we may be making these attempts to steal fire to bring about some ch new change and some gift to humanity, but there may be repercussions uh, for it. Um, we may be seeing those themes come up. Uh, again, we have the six of pentacles, because since we are in the second decan of the fixed signs right now, this is the most fixed part of each of these relative signs. Okay, so we're in a very fixed sign, a very fixed area of each of these signs. So some stubbornness may come to play. And we see the card victory with the six of wands with someone returning from war. And the, uh, this is sort of the, um, oh, what was this one called? Well, in the six of pentacles, we have a figure that is giving charity to the, to the poor and giving alms. Um, I don't remember the specific name. I know Austin Coppett calls that one a Shiva Lingam, where we're, we have fecundity uh, happening. Um, so what I think about this square, 
I think that this will be a lot of tension between authority figures and the, the folks that are fighting for a new way of doing something. We've got this material rebellion happening. And then we have the king in his own throne, in his own temple, um, cracking down. And I could see this as, a t I, my first thought about this, seeing the, the six of wands, was potentially the king, or in our case, the president, declaring victory or some, some sort of, uh, you know, great, um, but in the face of some kind of mat great material upheaval where they're saying, look at how great we're, we're doing. And this is, this would not be unprecedented for, uh, for Donald Trump. Um, and we could also see some unpredictability from our authority figures as well. Um, so self-aggrandizement, shocking events from an authority figure, perhaps declaring some kind of victory and, and trying to, to say that, oh, we've, we've created law and order while the, these, the protests are still going on. Um, but remember, th these are two very fixed positions. This could also represent a standoff between those two entities, the government and the protesters. Uh, the authority figures and the ones that are trying to bring fire, steal fire for humanity and bring about change. Um, so just be, be aware of that and be aware of this in your own life too, because this as above, so below, as within, so without. There will be the Leo area of your chart will experience some kind of potentially shocking event with the Taurus area of your chart, depending on where this falls in your particular natal chart. Uh, so, you know, Try to go through your day with maybe a little bit um, more mm, flexibility because it's very easy to get uh, stubbornly fixated on a position when you're trying to make change, but when you're also trying to create uh, a sense of authenticity as well. This second decan of, of Leo is about fighting for authenticity. Um, the victory that is achieved in that card is being true to the self and true to the heart. So we're, we may be feeling this conflict of being true to ourselves and needing to make a, a material change. So that could be how this would be playing out um, in our own personal lives too. Um, that second decan of, of Leo is also associated with military success and honors and recognition of success, uh, an expansion of power or authority of the king. This was a, a dually rule, Jupiter ruled decan. So this may be a time where um, we are seeing an expansion of power that is unexpected too. With, with Jupiter being in its fall, this could be a doubling down moment on that authoritarian regime type of control that we are seeing. This, the seeds, I hate to say it, of this fascism that we are seeing in our democracy, right? that is threatening our democracy right now. We could see a, a pivotal moment with that uh, on the weekend of August the first and second coming to a head as well. Now remember, this is in context of the full moon that will happen just a day later at 11 degrees of Aquarius, where we see this conflict come to a head, the king versus the exile, the, the, the selected few opposing the masses and the populace and those who are, are not selected, okay? The chosen ones versus the, and you get the idea, et cetera, okay? The, the outcasts. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it'll, be, it'll be 
quite the historical theater to see how it all plays out. And um, I guess I pray for peace at this point. Um, but again, watch for declarations of victory, even if they are, you know, false or couched in this, because this full moon is going to be squared Uranus. This is a, a moment of extreme tension and of, of stubborn extreme tension where, where nobody's willing to, to budge. Okay. These are literally some of the most entrenched positions of the sky. And you could see this like in the ancient world, these positions were associated with the stakes that held the, uh, the sky together. Okay, like that, that's how entrenched we're talking about. The sun back in very, very ancient times was associated with the summer solstice. Okay, Aquarius was associated with the winter solstice, Taurus with the spring equinox, and Scorpio with the fall equinox. And then we're talking like Egyptian times when, when the, um, the, the constellations were aligned with those particular um, solar points in the cycle. Okay, I think that's what I've got for this week. That was a long one, but there's a lot going on. Uh, next week, we are seeing the full moon coming to its uh, perfection at 11 degrees of Aquarius, um, squaring Uranus and Taurus around the same degree. That's Monday, August the 3rd. Uh, on the same day, Mercury will be opposing Saturn retrograde at 27 degrees of Cancer and Capricorn. Now on Tuesday the 4th, Mars will make a square uh, to Jupiter in Capricorn at 19 degrees. So Mars will be in the degree of exaltation of the sun squaring Jupiter. Mercury will then move into Leo. And on Friday, August the 7th, Venus finally moves out of Gemini into the sign of Cancer and starts her journey <laughs> opposing all of the Capricorn uh, mess. So, yeah, buckle up, buckle up, buckaroo. Okay, that's what I've got for this week. I hope that you're all doing well. Um, if you like these videos, please make sure to click that subscribe button, share it with your friends. There are a few donation links if you'd like to support the work that I do. That is always, always appreciated. Thank you for those of you who have donated. It makes my life a lot easier. What you're buying me is the gift of time to do the research and to bring these forecasts to you and to not worry about where my meals are coming from at the same time. So thank you, thank you, thank you for those of you who are supporting the work that I do here. It is so much appreciated. Um, and yeah, please be good to yourself. This is a great time to get in touch with the heart. Uh, try to, you know, if, if whatever it is that gets you back in touch with the heart and gets you out of the head, that is something that I think can hold you in really good stead in the weeks ahead. For me, it was is getting in touch with the music that things that I love and that nature, and that felt really healing and cathartic. So whatever that is for you that connects you with the heart center, I encourage you to to work with that as your as your part of your remedies for the difficulties that we have in the months ahead because it is a, a difficult um, few months ahead, but it's a, it's a pivotal moment in history, and I encourage you not to give up hope because hope is really the key ingredient that will get us through this and get us through to the other side. Remember, Pandora 
brought with her all and, and released all these horrors onto the earth. But what was left in the box as a, as a gift was that quality of hope. And as we're going through all these challenges as, as, as a human species and as a, as a community and as a world culture, uh, that quality of hope, and if we stick to that, I think that's what's going to, to lead us over, over the bridge of some of this difficult um, contraction, difficult but necessary contraction, and into the, the birth of some kind of hopefully new and more equitable reality for us all. All right, that's what I've got for you this week. Take care, everyone. We'll see you later. Peace.